My name is Joel Spencer, and um, I had the privilege of spending several months with the church family as God found them a pastor, but not just any pastor, a godly pastor. You know, guys, um, those of you that know that ministry that uh, I've had for since 1993, uh, by the way, I don't have a church. That's the first time in 10 years. It's always one waiting for me to get done, and uh, that's all right. I'm happy to be able to go back and visit church families and homecomings. Remember, my new ministry is to eat. So I heard there was food today. I'm here. But uh, the last church was Freedom Baptist Church in Greenville, South Carolina, and they are just doing wonderful. God made a pastor for them. I just talked to him yesterday, and he loves them. They love him. They're having their first revival meeting in years. They're just doing great. And can I tell you, uh, I do this every time I come back uh, to a church. I look at the people, and the ones that know me can take this well. The new ones might go, well, who does he think he is? Well, you'd have to ask the faithful old people here. But folks, when God gives you a good pastor, you work at keeping him. Because there are, are you listening? There are not hundreds of churches. There are thousands of churches just in the South that would do anything to have Walter and Ann Wagner. I mean that. When COVID hit, and uh, I don't want to preach about COVID, but in a way I will be. Turn to Isaiah 46, a very different message for me. We're going to be kind of bouncing a little bit in several passages. But I've decided to, I don't want to talk about COVID that much, because that's all we hear, isn't it? Every day, and, and, and most of our country is so afraid, aren't they? Even some of God's people have grown fearful. Well, I want to preach a message of encouragement to you. I've decided to call the time and the day we live in this COVIDious, the COVIDious days of our life. My wife and I uh, ended up getting it about six, seven weeks ago, and uh, we did fine. Uh, the quarantining was more painful for me than the COVID. But I can tell you it is real, and be careful. And uh, I'm glad for uh, the preparation your church has put into maintaining and trying to take care. But I want to ask you a question. We really are so consumed, it's as if our nation has shifted so dramatically. Politics have gotten so vulgar and different from when I was a boy. You almost wonder when you get up, brethren, what's going to be on the news today? It's a crazy world. And we often worry about each other. My wife, um, she was in a car accident about 10 days ago, and God has taken good care of her. But I have been her personal male nurse, butler, and, and uh, I mean, I've tried to help every day. And she came out a lot better. The airbags, I think, did more damage than the actual wreck. But, um, and I'm thankful she's here with me today. But I said to her about three days into this, I said, uh, hey, because I did everything. I mean, I helped her get up and down, and I tried to cook and clean. And I said, are, are you training me for the future? And she just smiled and said, maybe. <laughs> so uh, she's a good trainer. I want to ask you a question before I get into the message. And, and uh, this question will become more obvious as you listen and read God's word with me. I told you how we're doing. 
How are you guys doing? But has anybody asked this question? How's God doing? You know, we get so consumed about the election. And by the way, my wife and I went and voted. They're making voting so easy, they're going to come up with a brain scan. Just walk by and in North Carolina, Tennessee, you can vote. There's no reason not to. Please vote. I agree with Pastor. If you don't, this is what I tell the students, and a lot of my freshmen have never voted. It's their first election. And I tell them, the one, not the only reason, not the main reason, but one of the reasons I vote is so I can complain for four years. You don't have a right to complain if you don't vote. Well, I pray. Well, vote. And um, I get to see, I'm going to go see Pastor before we head home. And I got to tell you, he looks even, he looks younger. Man, surgery was good to him. He looks healthy. That's good. It's, I've been praying so much for him, and I'm glad. I'm going to read you something, then we'll get into the message. This is a quote. No people will tamely surrender their liberties, nor can, nor can any be easily subdued when knowledge is diffused and virtue is preserved. On the contrary, when people are universally ignorant and debauched in their manners, they will sink under their own weight without the aid of foreign invaders. You know who said that? Samuel Adams, signer of the Declaration of Independence and father of the American Revolution. I remind you another reason why this current attack of Satan on our nation is trying to destroy our statues and our history is because of men like that. You know, we haven't always had nice guys. America is still an experiment, as our forefathers called it. And we haven't always made the right decision every time. But there's been no place since man was created that has offered more liberty than this nation. Don't forget that. I know many of us who are older won't. But we need to remember part of our responsibility is to teach our grandchildren and our children the truth about America. I don't know any American that would ever, has ever said, no, we've always been a perfect nation. No. But we've always been a nation that's recognized humbly who we are and how we got started and that God was in the center of this country. That's being taken. We all know that. That's why we pray and we vote. But how's God doing? You might say, well, Brother Spencer, we don't need to ask that. God's God. Yes, but how is God doing? There's a fascinating passage here in Isaiah 46 where God, uh, and I wish I had time to go back and, and talk more about Isaiah than Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, those major four major prophets. But um, and it's one of my favorite classes that I'm teaching right now. It's amazing how much ba- uh, uh, Isaiah talked about to the Jews. Why are you worshiping idols? Jeremiah, again, just pled with the people. What is wrong with you? And you know, the Jews got to the point in their They're 700 years old as a nation. God has done miracles for them. And and yet God would send a prophet and say, why is it you can go to my temple and worship me and then go to your home and worship Ishtar or Molech, the baby fire god, baby killer? You know, to the Jews, they were so content with having Jehovah, but also having their little household gods and worshiping other gods. It didn't bother them a bit. 
God would be very, God often, in Jeremiah especially, God would say, I'm hurt. I'm hurt. I was jealous over you. You're mine. You're my wife. I brought you out. How could you do this? I tell you, I'm glad God is who He is. But I want to ask you as a believer today, and if you're a born-again believer, I want you to, I hope you'll capture what God's burdened my heart about. How's your God doing? Look in Isaiah 46, verse 1. Bel boweth down, Nebo stoopeth. Their idols were upon the beast and upon the cattle. Your carriages were heavy loaden. They are a burden to the weary beast. They stoop, they bow down together. They could not deliver the burden, but themselves are gone into captivity. Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are borne by me from the belly, which are carried from the womb. And even to your old age, I am he. And even to whore hairs or gray hairs will I carry you. I have made, I will bear, even I will carry and will deliver you. To whom will ye liken me and make me equal and compare me that we may be like? Father, help me now with this wonderful, wonderful passage to be clear. Father, I need the Spirit to do His work. I know that in this room are some fine Christian people. And Lord, help us not to forget in the midst of all our busyness and selfishness and the way the world is talking down to us. Lord, help us to remember who you are and that you are God supreme. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to notice, really, the message is contrasting Babylon's gods with Jehovah God. So let's look at the lifeless gods, their humble beginnings. You know, before... We go back to verse 1. Skip down to verses 6 and 7 and 8. You know, it's amazing, and I could literally take an hour and just read passages in Isaiah and Jeremiah where God would stop and say, Are you sure, my people, that you want to worship these gods? You do know who makes them. You do. You do know you have to fasten them to the ground so no one can steal them, right? You want to worship them. Well, he does. uh, Here's one of the passages, 6 through 8. It says, the la- uh, they lavish gold out of the bag and waste silver in the balance and hire a goldsmith, and he maketh it a god. They fall down, yea, they worship. They bear him upon the shoulder. They carry him and set him in his place, and he standeth from his place, shall he not remove. Yea, one shall cry unto him, yet he cannot answer nor save him out of his trouble. Remember this, and show yourselves, men. Bring it again to, to mind, O ye transgressors. They're humble beginnings. Even these two gods mentioned in verse 1, the two main gods of the Babylonians had begun to be worshipped by Jews. But not just their humble beginnings, but notice as we go back to what we just read, their, their humiliated condition. Now, what's really odd and contextual, I want to give you the context of this. Isaiah is preaching a hundred and 50 years before this actual event takes place. He had already told them because of their sin. Assyria is coming. Assyria did come. Isaiah would then say, "Uh, after I'm dead, I'm telling you the nation of Babylon will arise. And you will worship their gods too, not learning anything from the Assyrian judgment. And Isaiah is even allowed to go to the end of the Babylonian empire and say, you're going to worship their gods. And he prophesies, their gods are not your God. Why would you worship idols? 
Notice their humiliated condition. Bel was, Bel is the chief god, sometimes referred to in our Old Testament as B-A-A-L. Bel, B-E-L, was the Babylonian pronunciation that was a chief god. You see Baal, Baalim, the multiple gods of Baal, all through the Old Testament. Well, Baal, or Bel here, was the Babylonian's chief god of life, the sun. Nebo was his son and the god of learning and knowledge. Notice in verse 1 that Bel, the mighty Babylonian god, is uh, bowed down. The idea is, look at uh, Jews, look at that god. He's bent down like he's worshiping something. Then Nebo stoopeth, that word means to be hunched over, like humpbacked. These two gods literally were leaning on each other as the, 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 the Babylonians are trying to get their gods out of Babylon before the Persians can steal them. How silly. How silly. Not only their humble beginnings, their humiliated condition, but look how helpless these gods were. Verse 2 says, well, verse 1, they, they're upon uh, carts, carriages, and they're, they're such a burden to the weary beast. They stoop, they bow down together. They could not deliver the burden, but themselves are gone into captivity. You realize, my friends, this morning, that the only power they have was the power of the weary beasts who were trying to get them out of town. The only strength, God says, the, these idols had, the only power they had, the once mighty Babylonian gods that you will worship, you will not listen to me, Isaiah says, or listen to Jehovah. This is their humiliation. This is the end of them. They have no power. I just recently, about two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, had a brother in Christ come. He's, he brings his daughter every year. Her, on her birthday, she wants to visit an ambassador. She's 14. And Mark told me he was sitting in class when we were going over Jeremiah about God telling the Jews, why would you worship God? Why don't you worship me? The only one that's ever loved you and taken care of you. Mark came up and told me a story, and uh, I asked if I could use it. Mark drives delivery truck. He delivers all over, really all over the country, but he was delivering uh, something. He didn't really know what it was to uh, Spartanburg County, South Carolina, to a Buddhist temple. He sent me the pictures, Vietnamese mainly. He said when, they opened the, when he opened the back of the truck, there was a covered, he couldn't tell, kind of sideways. What it was was a giant Buddha in Spartanburg County, South Carolina. He said, Brother Spencer, I was thinking as you were going through Jeremiah, pleading with the Jews about their false gods, I remember I stood there for three hours as 24 men, old and young, tried to get their God out. Three hours. And they just fought and yelled at each other and gibbered in Vietnamese. He said, I, I couldn't understand a word, but I could tell they were not happy with each other. When they finally got their God out, it took them another two hours to decide where to set him. And he finally asked one of the younger men, what are you guys yelling about? He said, well, there's too many chiefs and not enough Indians. Now, that's from a Vietnamese talking about American Indians in America. It's just and Mark said it occurred to me, and he wrote a tremendous thing on his Facebook page about how he was so glad the real God had saved him. Folks, today we have people in our nation that worship idols. Number one, the lifeless gods. 
Number two, though, the living God. In this passage, I want you to see first his power. His power. He says, God about himself, verse 4, even, uh, and even to your old age, I'm he. I, even to your whore hairs will I carry you. No one carries me, God says. I do the carrying. I have made, I will bear. Even I will carry and will deliver you. I love that. In verse 10, he says, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand. I will do all my pleasure. His power. Now, I think about what we've been going through. Just, it's unprecedented. You can be young, and you would say, wow, what happened to my world? But young people, you can be old. And the older folks are going, what happened to our world? Whatever God designs. Whatever God designs. But he's carrying you. His person. God told us that they were made by men, but God says in verse 4, I have made, no one made me, I am He. These idols would fall apart, they deteriorated, but God says again in verse 4, hey, I'm around for the long haul. In fact, I've been around since the beginning. I'm going to be around when you're an old person. I'll take care of you. These idols were compared to created things, but God declares again in verse 5, and then in verses 8, through the end of the chapter. He said, I created. No one created me. Verse 9, remember the former things of old, for I am God, there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. Verse 12, hearken unto me, ye stout-hearted, that means stubborn, that are far from righteousness. I bring near my righteousness. It shall not be far off, and my salvation shall not tarry, and I will place salvation in Zion for Israel, for my glory. We've seen the living God. By the way, our living God. Now please, can I, do I have to overemphasize this? Because I'm bringing my message to an end, believe it or not. The lifeless gods, the false gods, made by men. You, you, what's wrong? Why would you worship them? I'm the living God. He tells his own people that. His power, his person, his promise. I love verse 4. I've circled it. I actually shared it to one of, um, one of the dear saints, one of the deacons at a church many churches ago, who last year, uh, he's passed now with cancer. Boy, a lot of my friends are getting cancer. He was a dear friend. He was, uh, the de- you know, that w- uh, when I go to churches, there's one deacon that normally I draw closest to, but I enjoyed all the deacons here when I was here. They, we all became friends. This little church, this one man, he was struggling, not for himself, but for his wife. And I said, brother, God's taking care of you. And God, my eyes came to this verse, and I spoke this to him, and I did, spoke it at his funeral. You see, God says, I've created you. In fact, I, I, I put you in the belly. I carried you from the womb, and even to your old age. You realize that for those of my brothers and sisters here that are old, And uh, I got a year older, you know, October 2nd. I'm failing fast. I hit the big 6'3". Now before you older brothers and sisters tease me, 
This verse is so important. It should be to all of us, and especially my older brothers and sisters. Do you realize that God made you even for this time of your life? He did, he's not going to bail on you because you've gotten to the age where your body is starting to fail, and your vision. And Listen, God's going to be with you all the way to glory. He made you for this time in your life. He's not about to drop you off in life. In fact, I want you to turn with me to Psalm 139, a very familiar passage, but I'd like to go through just a few verses. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. How's your God doing? What I want to prove to you today is our God is doing just fine. Our God has never changed, but our God has reminded the Jewish people that we're changing. And I believe us today, don't worry about me, I got your back. Even if you're old and you're sick and you might even have cancer or a weak heart, it doesn't matter. I'm going to carry you. All the way to glory. Listen, only the God that we have can do that. Bell couldn't do it. Nebo can't do it. The gods of this world cannot do it. Politicians cannot do it. The Republicans cannot do it. The Democrats will lie but can't do it. Oh, did I say that? (laughs) Once in a while, I hope after this message in your devotions and in your prayer, take just a second, precious moment, and say, God, how are you doing? Does anyone care about our Father? You say, well, He doesn't need, but He loves us. He sure would appreciate once in a while His children saying, thank you, Father, I trust you. I'll vote, but I trust you. Because you're the only one that said you made me and you'll carry me even in my old age. You'll deliver me. Psalm 139, very familiar verses. I'm going to go slow because I'd like to give you some uh, deep meaning, deep understanding of our Bible in Psalm 139, 13 through 16. It says, for thou hast possessed my reins. That word possessed means created, acquired. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee for I am fearfully. That word fearfully means to cause amazement. Oh, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The phrase wonderfully made carries this idea to be distinct, separated. Marvelous. That word means wonderful, extraordinary, far surpassing normal understanding. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret. That word secret carries the idea of covered, sheltered, a hiding place, and curiously wrought. Now, I really like that phrase. Curiously wrought carries the idea of being variegated or to mix colors. When God made us, by the way, God makes no junk. And I know we look at sometimes the way some of us came into the world and how we're different. And we look at that precious bishop baby and we think, It's been so hard. Listen, God made us when we weren't even known to our own mother in the lowest parts of the earth. Verse 16, Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. That that phrase, being unperfect, literally means when I was an embryo, a fetus. I was 
made me, when I learned this in Bible college, the word fetus, which, boy, back in the 70s, feminists and liberals were trying to say that a baby and a mama was just a fetus. Well, that's the Latin word for baby in a womb. So don't forget that. And in thy book, all my members were written. In other words, God inscribed, engraved, registered every part of me when I was in my mother, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. He's made a great promise to all of us. He said in verse 4, I'm going to take care of you. Not just when I made you, and I made you so special. Every one of you in this room. And by the way, this is true for lost people, but they don't understand it. But we who are saved, I, I share with you a great promise from our Father. He said, you're who you are. I know who you are. I know your deficiencies, your deformities. I made you. And he said, now that you're old, I'm still going to make you, carry you, and will deliver you. Yes, Christians need to be reminded about how their God's doing. Now, I close with this thought. How's God doing? I think he's doing fine. God does not want, nor has he ever wanted his people to worship idols. And so I close with this thought. This is actually what drove me to, to preach this. Can Christians have idols? Let me give you the definition of an idol. You ready? Any image or anything used as an object of worship or devotion in place of the true God. Here's an article written uh, not too long ago. I'll just read a little bit of it. The question, why is idol worship such a powerful temptation today? Ultimately, the answer to this question is sin. It is the sin nature of man that causes us to worship modern idols, all of which in reality are forms of self-worship. The temptation to worship ourselves in various ways is a powerful temptation indeed. When we hear the word idol, we often think of statues and objects reminiscent of those who worship, those worshiped by pagans in ancient cultures. However, the idols of our century often bear no resemblance to the artifacts used thousands of years ago. Understanding contemporary idols can help us to understand why they proved to be such powerful temptation. An idol can be anything we place ahead of God in our lives, anything that tugs at our heart more than God does, such as possessions, careers, relationships, hobbies, sports, entertainment, goals, greed, addictions to alcohol, drugs, gambling, pornography. And I'm going to add one more thing. This was written uh, in 2012, that article I just read. But I'm going to add one more thing that God has helped convict me of. Fear! We've become so fearful. We've let the world, we've let the internet and Facebook, we've let our smartphones and all the voices. And Dan and Kelly will tell you, I am not, I still don't like technology. Uh, I got a smartphone last June, and I thought the entire student body and alumni were going to fall apart. They just couldn't believe I got an iPhone, and I don't like it. I am not a Facebook fan. You guys know that. I talked about it. I said many years ago that, to, and by the way, in case you new people don't know much about Brother Spencer, you know where I was born, not born, raised, 
my Navy retired dad got stationed his last years, last eight, nine years in the Navy in California. I grew up in San Jose before it was Silicon Valley. I would come home from Bible college and hear my dad talk about, you hear what's going on? There's this new thing called Google and, and there were millionaires my age and, well, I just missed the right train. By a few, I still don't know anything. And I have watched. And you older folks know this is true. I have watched since Silicon Valley and since computers and the Internet. I remember they were talking about the Internet. And one day we'll have, everyone will have their own phone. It was almost Star trek Let me tell you, I have watched it transform the way Americans think. And sadly, what are, how Christians think. To the point where I feel almost a foreigner and uh, an alien in my own country. And sometimes with my own brothers and sisters, I'm not talking down to anybody. God knows I need to hear this. But boy, this COVID thing, it, 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 just, it just shook us from the inside. And the devil got to put fear into mankind, fear into politicians, Fear into in, to American citizens who are now doing the opposite of what my forefathers did in this. They're saying, government, please tell us the truth. Tell us, How are you going to take care of us, government? We live in a different world, don't we? And while I look at the lost, and I understand how politicians try to promise us so much. Logically, that doesn't make any sense because we're the ones that pay the bills. But I've watched my brothers and sisters, and I've watched me. Months ago, shortly after COVID hit, and I began to watch this thing. It was real. It was getting big. But I began to hear such draconian things and fear things. I thought, wait a minute. My God's doing just fine. And I think he's promised to take care of me and my wife. And my family, and my church family. Boy, God began to burden me. That's where the message came from today. May God remind all of us that we, if we're not careful, as born-again people, can have idle problems. Let me close by reading you. I'm just going to read you the reference, read you the verse. Acts 15, 20. But that we write, and this is all New Testament, okay? Not Old Testament. But that we write unto them, that they abstain from pollutions of idols. 1 Corinthians 5.11 But now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater. 1 Corinthians 10.14 Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Galatians 5.19-20 Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry. Colossians 3, 5, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. In the first John 5, 21, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. The gods of Babylon, the gods of America, the gods of the world, they're not going to make it. Our God is doing just fine. And you have to admit, brother, you're here, I'm here. God's going to carry us from the womb to glory. Now, 
In closing, I want to go back, go back to Isaiah, but chapter 40, and we'll end with a verse that every one of you, if you've been saved more than just a couple years, you remember, but here's the context. God, again, was trying to tell the Jews, why would you worship idols? Don't you know who I am? And by the way, Jews, I'm doing fine. Isaiah chapter 40, let's read verses 25 to the last verse of the chapter. I would like for all my brothers and sisters to stand. Would you stand with me? And I want to read with you out loud. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 25 through the end of the chapter. Isaiah 40, 25 through the end of the chapter. Please begin. To whom then will you liken me? Or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One. Go ahead and lift your voices, brethren. Lift up your eyes on high, and behold who hath created these things, that bringeth out them the host by number, calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might. For why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord? And my judgment is passed over from my God. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Father, we all acknowledge as your children today that it's so easy for us to fear. To let the world's idols idols speak to us. Maybe even dominate our hearts. But Father, today you've reminded us you're doing just fine. And that you love us. From the womb to glory, you'll take care of us. You will bear us, carry us, and ultimately one day deliver us. Father, in these times of turmoil, help us not to be fearful. But to turn to you, to be reminded from your precious word in the Holy Spirit. That our God is doing just fine. Bless your people. Lord, if anyone here today does not know Christ as Savior, they will not see the Father. They do not have Jehovah God. Sometime after the service, maybe during our time of fellowship, they would seek out a faithful member here and ask, how can I know that heaven's my home and God, the Lord Jehovah, is my God? Thank you, Lord, for these dear people. Thank you for the testimony of this church. Please, Lord, heal their pastor. Bring him back. Help us not to fear. We must not fear. We must make you our God. We pray these things in Jesus' name.